Welcome to Addicted to the Climb. I am your host, Kelly Tyen. As a faith-fueled health and transformation coach, author, and breast cancer survivor, my mission is to provide you with the wisdom, the tools, and all the success tips that I've learned along my own journey in health, fitness, faith, and personal development. Plus, you'll hear some incredible and inspiring conversations that will motivate you and empower you to keep on climbing no matter what you're going through. Let's buckle up to start a brand new climb together and start showing up differently as we work our way to the top. Right now, this is your time to take in all the positivity and all the blessings that God has for you. So let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to a beautiful Monday on Addicted to the Climb. I'm your host, Kelly Tyen. If we haven't met yet, I'm just so honored and feeling so thankful that you decided to tune in to my show. So thank you so much. I appreciate you. And I know that you're going to feel so empowered today with the conversation that we're about to jump into with my new friend and guest. And I just want to share that if you're going through anything right now, any kind of turmoil, any kind of heartache, sadness, or anything that's just not from God at this very moment, today is your day to feel like an overcomer because God doesn't want you to stay in that place. As you know, deep down in that heart of yours, he doesn't want you to stay there, but the devil does. And today we're going to talk about how you can overcome these hard situations, because let's face it, we all go through them. Nobody's exempt. Nobody has the golden star to pass and cruise through life. So I'm going to introduce you to my guest today so we can jump right in because I'm so excited. Her name is Dorothy Graham Odell. She was born and raised in Ontario, Canada. She has turned her love of books into her next career, writing them. She wrote her memoir, The Overcomer Facing Challenges with Faith and Courage, and that came out in January of 2021. Dorothy is a keynote speaker as well as producer and host of two powerful shows, The Unstoppable Overcomers and The Power Half Hour. Unstoppable Business Owner on, is on Wednesdays. She is also a book reviewer and loves to shine the spotlight on other people. She believes that everyone has a story and she wants the world to know about you. So I am so excited to learn more about her. Thanks for coming on to the show today, Dorothy. Thanks for having me, Kelly. It's an absolute pleasure getting to know you. Yes, sure. likewise, <laughs> likewise. So before we jump into your story and hearing about you know, things that you've been through. I always start with a few fun questions and real easy answers. What is your favorite book or what are you reading right now? Right now? Okay. So I'm a closet romance. No, uh, I love reading romance novels, but I, as well, I also have this book called Created No Way Out by Jen Zahari. It's a nonfiction book about a woman that, you know, is about ready to take her life, but will she really end her life? that is where the story is. So definitely a book. You can get it on Amazon or uh, jenzahari.com. It's an amazing read. 
I love it. And that's why I always ask my guests to tell me what they're reading because I always learn a new book and it's so exciting. I love, I, I'm the type that always has four or five books going at the same time. I cannot just pick up one book and read the whole thing, but I do, I do go back and forth. So I love it. Okay. What about your favorite? Do you have a favorite Bible verse? Um, what is that? Is it as Jeremiah for the plans I have? Yes. Uh, I know the plans Jeremiah. I have for you, says the yes. Lord. Yes. Twenty nine eleven. Yes. I was going to say that, but I was like, mm, am I, is that right? <laughs> no, you know, I just started to actually try to memorize some Bible verses because there's so many good ones. And I'm not one of those either that just rattles them off. I, my memory is not as I'm like, how do these people just rattle off Bible verses off the top of their head? But they do. And I'm learning, but that is one of my favorite ones as well. And yes, we, I love it. I have to have something to lean on, right? Especially when we are struggling in our faith or in our life in the moment, Bible verses are where it's at. And last question I'm going to ask you is, do you have a morning routine and what is it? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So I get up at the butt crack of dawn, uh, 4 a.m. And I, okay, so I'm in a 30 day challenge to do yoga is what I, in 30 days. So I'm on day 14. So normally it's some kind of exercise routine for 15, 20 minutes, but I am doing yoga 30 days, 30 minutes at the moment. Um, So that, and then I do my gratitude. I write down five things that I'm grateful for. And then I also set myself up powerfully with what were my three wins from yesterday? And what am I going to, what are my three wins going to be today? So I'm always constantly in the mode of winning before my day even really starts. Um, so it's, and I, I notice that if I don't start my morning that way, my, diff, my, my day goes a little bit different than I normally would like it to, but, you know, setting it up powerfully, spending that first hour just by myself, um, really tapping in to God and, and definitely that that time for myself so that I could be a better person for everybody else. Oh, it's so powerful. And that's why people call it the power hour, because I know just like you, if I run out the door or I don't put time in to reading my Bible, you know, just prayer, gratitude, all that, that you just said, my day is so, it's almost like I don't feel I, I don't know. I just feel weird. If that makes sense. Like it's a weird feeling and it never goes like it would if I start my day in that peace and just give God my time first. And, and that's how I get my mind in the right place, right from the beginning. So listeners, if you don't have a morning routine and let me just tell you one more thing. It took me a while. I didn't always have one. I really always ran out the door. I never took time for myself and really just had some meditation and prayer and it's life changing. So take it from me. It is so life changing, especially if you're going through hard times, but even when you're going through the good times, it's a place you can just feel so grateful. So I love it, Dorothy. Amazing. I knew, I knew you were going to have a morning routine. That's powerful. (laughs) Yeah. And I do do, I I forgot to mention, but after the yoga, I do like a 10 minute meditation where I just tune into what God's really trying to tell me. Um, I forgot to add that part, but, and that, that, you know, since I've been doing all of that and that's been a couple of years now, um, definitely things have definitely taken a shift. 
Yes, that's, sure. that's good. It does. Things shift and it doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen. And that's mm-hmm. a good place to be when you feel that shift. I love it. So why don't you tell us, I'm, I'm excited to just talk to you about the title of your shows. Like they're so powerful. And I want you to just tell us how you got to this point of wanting to even be an unstoppable version of yourself, wanting to, and you choosing to be an overcomer. Because a lot of times when we go through hard things in life, and I know you have a story too, about even when you were bullied in your weight, and I'd love for you to share that. It's hard to get out of those moments. And it all comes down to that choice and you choosing the direction you went in, I know mustn't have been easy. So I'd love to hear about how you decided to say, I'm all done with this and move on and take us back to those days where things were hard and how you got to where you are today. Absolutely. So, you know, it's funny because growing up, I just, I didn't think that what my life was the chaos that it was, you know, you don't know what you don't know is basically what people say. Uh, So yes, growing up, I was bullied for my weight when I, obviously when we're born, we're, we're skinny and things like that. But I had this, I don't know what happened, but I just, I guess, refused to eat. And I was, my ankles and my wrists were no bigger. Like my parents could definitely circle their, their hands around my wrist, like a couple of times. That's how skinny I was. Um, and I just went through the space that I wasn't eating. So they thought, okay, well, we're going to take her to the doctor and find out what's going on. So I went and the doctor prescribed some medication. I wish to God I knew what it was, but I have no idea. That was like 45 years ago Mm. Uh, or 40 anyways. And so I was on this medication to eat. Well, it just, I guess I just didn't stop. And in our family, if you were sad, you ate, if you were happy, you ate, if there was a party, you ate, no matter what like food was the main source of everything. So my weight had kept climbing and climbing and climbing. And of course, kids can be cruel. I remember at the age of uh, in grade two, whatever, how old I don't know how old you are in grade two, I think seven or something like that. Um, That's when, you know, kids really started to be mean and and vicious. And I could remember growing up. um, I grew up in Tilbury, Ontario, uh, in those days, and it was it was the same guys just constantly um, making fun of me and, and things like that. And I never even really told my parents what was going on. I would just be like unhappy. And of course at home, you know, my parents were dealing with their own issues. My mom had went to Uh, 20 years undiagnosed with angina and lupus. She was chronically tired. She would come home half the time. She wouldn't even put a 40 hour work weekend because she was so tired. Um, And my dad had his first stroke at 30. So, you know, and so I would just at home, I was focused on, okay. um, And of course I was stubborn. So if I couldn't cook it, I wouldn't eat it. And so I just took on that role. And I, it kind of came on to like, okay, so I took it on because my parents, they could do it, but you know, they were, they were tired and I just wanted to help out. Um, so then I became like, I had very low self-esteem. I kind of withdrew into myself and I just felt very alone. And I, the, the older I got, the more, like I had a couple of friends growing up and going to school, but it wasn't like, 
when a guy would say something to me, they would never, it's not like they would stick up for me. They were just like, oh, you know, don't worry about it type thing. And so I really didn't have any support. Um, you know, my parents didn't really catch on what was going on. It's not like I shared it anyways. And so they first, the first guy that came along and said, oh, I love you. It's like, I, I like latched onto that because I thought, you know, somebody that loved me, not that my parents didn't love me. And I knew that, um, my parents were very loving, but it always seemed like the attention was somewhere else, um, on their illnesses, which is fine. And so I, this, this relationship that I was in very controlly, very mind games, very, you know, if I didn't do exactly like he wanted, then it would be like a silent treatment or, uh, heaven forbid, if you changed your mind, because then he would just take off. Right. And I, so then I became a workaholic, um, because I didn't want to be inside the home. I ended up make a long story short. I ended up moving in with him for a little bit. And, um, after four years, it's just like, I couldn't take it anymore. My blood pressure, it affected my health. My blood pressure went sky high, like 170, 175 over 156, I think is what it was at one point or even higher. And my doctor was like, you're going to stroke out. Like you need to change something. I was also working, uh, for a gentleman in the trucking industry. And that was stressful on top of, there were some things going on that I didn't approve of inside of that that business. And I can remember when I first started that job, like it was abusive too. like him and his wife would get into arguments. The phone would go whizzing by my head. And I'm just like, what the hell? If I'm getting, I'm getting it at home, I'm getting it everywhere. Right. And so, because I didn't know my self-worth at that time, I just accepted it that that's how life is. You know, guys aren't loving and supportive. Your boss isn't loving and supportive. You know, that's just how life was. And I came to this crossroads. Um, and when I was in that relationship, I had met this woman that was in a financial services company. And she says, why don't you come to my church with me? And I thought, okay, <laughs> like what? And we had grew my, my dad's background was Anglican, but it's not like we went to church uh, too often. When we did, it was more to help my aunt. She was uh, heavily involved in the church. So for the pancake dinners, my brother and I would volunteer and, and do things like that. Um, so Karen uh, invited me to her church and I thought, okay, well, I'll try it out. What, how bad could it be? Come to find out it was the same church that my mom's friend, um, way back when had brought me to. And when I first entered this church, it was one of those, it was a Pentecostal church. So I wasn't used to, you know, from being in the Anglican church, you have hands in the Pentecostal church. It's like arms raising, hallelujah, praise the Lord type thing. And I'm like, yeah. what the heck is going on? Get me out of here. These oh, guys yeah. are Jesus freaks. Right. <laughs> and I was just like, that can, be intimidating. Was, that can be intimidating. I can, I can understand. Yes. Yes. So it was just like, okay, well, I'm obviously here for a reason. Let's find out what this reason was. Wow. So Karen had given me a Bible. So I would bring it home and the guy I was with would say, he caught me reading it one day. He goes, what is going on with you? Like what you're changing all the time. And I'm like, well, what's the big deal? Your dad is in the Catholic church. You know, he does things at the church all the time. What is the big deal? And he goes, well, I just don't like who you're becoming. And I'm like, well, 
oh, well, suck it up. Right. I was, I was finally starting to realize that this wasn't the relationship that I wanted to be in, that I could do better, or I could be on my own, which wasn't the worst thing in the world. Um, because, you know, at least that way I could have freedom and, and not have to constantly worry or, you know, cause when you're in an abusive relationship, they, they make it like it's your fault. And not to say that I was lily white and that I didn't contribute to bad factors in that relationship. I take responsibility for that. Um, but in the same sense, I also know that there has to be more to life out there. And I, I kept having these thoughts, you know, if this is what being in a marriage is like, then I want no part of this. I'll stay single for the rest of my life. Even though I came from my grandparents, my dad's parents were married for 50 years before my grandfather died. And my parents were married for 47 years. And so you had healthy role models, at least. Exactly. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. I, I had healthy role models, but I also knew that I had basically no self-worth and like it was squashed to nothing uh, when I left him. And so, you know, just growing up like that. And, and then, so it took me, so what happened was God actually came into my life at that moment. And I started having a relationship with God and, and with Jesus. And it was just like, I could tell you the exact day it was. And I, I talk about it in my book. We were, um, I was working two jobs. He was laid off and everybody's like, well, you know, leave him. Cause you know, he's, he's not contributing. And I'm like, well, if you were married, you just wouldn't leave a husband because he, he was, you know, laid off. Right. So in my mind, I was thinking all this, but I knew that I would never marry him. I just absolutely knew that I was just like, what's in this for me. And let's, let's help me get me out of this is basically. So I was looking for different ways and we were, and he played video games and I absolutely hated hated video games and I'm working two jobs I'd come home he'd be sitting on his bum playing video games and then wonder why I would get so upset mm -hmm. so I was just like I was at a point where I was just like trying to find my next step like how can I get out of here and we were at Walmart and he kept on talking about the stupid guitar hero and we were at Walmart with his friends and I can remember exactly like I was looking at him I was look and he's like well, why don't you just buy it for me? Why don't you just buy it for me? And it was like $99. And I'm like, you're out of a job. Like I'm paying for everything else. I don't have the, we don't have the extra income for a stupid guitar hero. That's not on our list. Right. And I said to him, I'm like, you asked me one more time and I'm walking out of here and, and in front of his friends, which, okay, probably wasn't the best thing to do. I get that. However, I just had had enough. And I can remember it was like a veil had come down in front of me mm -hmm. and it's like God had split the veil from the right to the left. And I was like, I was done inside. I was done with that relationship. I just needed to find a way out. Mm -hmm. And I didn't care if I was going to be single. Yes. I wanted to be married because obviously the background that I came from, you know, marriages are hard work, but they're worth it. And they're just, you know, that's, I, I wanted to be married, but I just knew I didn't want to be married to him. But I love how yeah. you said God, because that's how God is. He, yeah. there is a veil over our eyes. A lot of times in different circumstances, I can remember even myself. And when he lifts that veil, it's like, you just got a pair of glasses on and everything is clear. Yeah. And for you, he just showed up for you in that way, but you are open and willing to accept. I think that's. Yeah what it is to your heart was ready and you went to right. church with your friend Karen was her name Karen Karen yeah 
somebody introduced you, you were willing, you were open, you received. And so God will work that way. And I love that you said the veil, because that's how I describe it to certain people. I'm like, it's almost like a veil is lifted and you, you saw the guy, you saw him for what he really was. You had that mask on the whole time and you couldn't see the timing wasn't right. So that's just an amazing story. So, I mean, were you in that moment? I'm sure it was scary, the transition, but easy because God revealed the truth, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and part of the thing was, okay, so we were living in his parents' rental home and I'm like, how am I going to get out of here? Everything was in my name, utilities, everything. And you know, so I'm like, in my mind, it was like, how am I going to get everything out of my name? And so he had a son. And I was thinking this was in November, I was thinking, okay, after Christmas, it doesn't matter, I'm just going to somehow some way get out of there. I didn't know how I just knew that it was going to happen. And for the two months prior to that, we were barely talking to each other. And like, you could have put, you could have put like three people in bed between us the, the way that it was those last two months. So I came home on November 3rd and I finally couldn't take it anymore. I'm like, what is wrong? Like, why are you like this? Like, and he's just like, well, I'm unhappy and I want you out of here. <laughs> like, I, I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, <laughs> I was just like, Okay. I, and well, obviously I was devastated because even though you're in that relationship and you want to get out, you're thinking, Oh, now what? Right. And rejection, um, right. Rejection. rejection. Feels good. Right. Right. On top of everything like that. So I called my parents and, and I'm like, what am I going to do? And my brother said, well, you can, you can come here. Like he had a big house and he had a basement. He said, but I need two weeks to build you a place down in the basement. So can you go to mom and dad's before, you know, so I have the time, but I didn't want to leave all my stuff there. And I was just like, not that it, I just, I didn't trust him. I, with everything that was going on, I didn't obviously trust. And, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, well, I'm not leaving any, like, I just paid for rent. I just paid for rent, you know, and all this. um, And I'm like, whatever, I'll, I'll get out. I said, but here's what I'm telling you. I said, everything's in my name. So either I said, I'm taking tomorrow off work. So either you give me a void check and I'm going to shut everything off, or you give me the void check and I'll just have them put it into your name. Choice is yours. He goes, well, I'm taking the day off too. I said, well, I'm not, I don't want to be around you. So either you do what I ask or that's it. I'll just shut everything off and you can pay the reactivation fees. It's it's so powerful when you take a stand for yourself. And I bet, is this part of your book, like the story of what you went through? Is that how you had gotten actually the idea to even write the book? Well, yes and no. So uh, God had been toying with me and, 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 ways that he's like oh you got to write the book you got to write the books people need to hear about it and I'm like there is just no way absolutely not I like I'm not a writer I even said to my friend um you know I should write a book of everything that I've experienced and and Trish was like yeah you should I said who's gonna who is gonna buy it she said well I will come to find out there was I did find true love at at the end and my my husband's ex-wife bought the first copy my friend Trish bought the second copy. So it was like one of those things, just like God's just like, 
okay, the pandemic hit, right? And so now he's like, because I was kept on using time as a factor. I didn't have time, you know, working two or three jobs plus a side gig all the time. That was my life. And uh, so the pandemic hit and he goes, okay, well, you don't have the hour uh, each morning to drive. So use that hour wisely and let's write this book. I love it. Tell us a little, tell us more about what the book is about. Give us some um, examples. Sure. So I, I basically the book, it basically tells you about my life story. So I go through the abusive relationship. There was a, a, a relationship before I had that one in which um, I was dating a Muslim man and my dad was very much against it. Um, so I, I tell a little bit about that story. And I, I go tell, talk about my parents' health and I do talk about the uh, suicide of my uncle. Uh, my uncle did take his life Christmas Day about 24 years ago. And I just talk briefly about, you know, the devastation on how a suicide can bring to a family. Mm. Um, and so I, I do talk a little bit about that. I don't go into a lot of detail, though. Um, and I, I do share my love story uh, with my husband about about our about our life there, how I met him. Very unique story. Um, and just share how after you know, meeting the love of your life, how your life can really transition. Um, and then d- definitely the legacy that I wanted to leave. And of course that legacy is ever evolving and changing because what I have in the book is, is evolving as well. So yeah, I just, I, I basically share um, a, some, some, one person had described it as, you know, she felt like she was right there with me and every, every step of the way. Um, so yeah, I just, just share. I believe in sharing our stories can change a life. And that's, that's really right. what it comes down to. And that's why, you know, sometimes we're afraid or ashamed or feel, you know, we're not good enough to share our story. It's awful. Who wants to hear it? But let me just tell you, we all need to hear it because I believe firmly, like if, if I didn't write my book, Addicted mm-hmm. to the Climb and all the climbs I've been on and overcame, yeah. I so many people related to those stories like you. And they said, you know, I've been there too. Wow. I, that happened to me. Oh my gosh. Well, if she can do it. I can do it. And I think that's what it all comes down to. And sharing our stories is so powerful. Just the story you even told just now, getting through that abusive relationship, listening to that. I know there's someone out there that might be listening in an abusive relationship right in this very moment. And I want you to know that you have the courage inside you already. You have, uh, as long as you can latch on and be willing to take that next step, the right Mm -hmm. step and ask God to hold your hand through it, you can get out of it the way Dorothy got out of it. You're no different. I always say, I say it so much. I am no different from the next person. I don't have any special superpowers. Just Mm -hmm. because I went through breast cancer, I fought to overcome it. I had to fight my negative emotions. I had to fight going through grief because grief hurts physically, emotionally, mentally, as you know. Um, So it's about sharing your story. And I love that you wrote a book so others can really just feel empowered to keep going and be overcomers. So thank you for sharing your stories. So I want to switch gears for a moment because I know you like to talk about self-care and I do too, because I didn't realize how important self-care was until I was in my well into my thirties. You know, you don't really think about it as a kid, 
but as a young married woman and having babies, you kind of put yourself as a woman to the side, you put yourself last. And it's just so important. I'd love for you to talk about the importance of self-care and how you, maybe a few things you do to make that a priority in your life. Absolutely. And you're absolutely right. See, growing up, I had a grandmother that was very old fashioned and her words were, take care of your man. You know, it's selfish to take care of you. That's how I grew up. And I was just like, so I was the ultimate people pleaser. No, no matter what, like I had to be there for everybody and I had to do everything and everybody came to me until my dad was diagnosed with cancer. Um, when my dad was diagnosed in April of 2019 and I had just gotten engaged in November, finally met the man of my life. I was 42 years old. And then my rock is diagnosed with cancer. And, um, for those of you that were daddy's little girl, you'll understand what it meant when you hear those words, I have cancer. And, uh, it was, it's something that I'll never forget. And, um, So at the cancer clinic, we were all given an opportunity that if we wanted to tap into the social worker that we could. And so I utilized their services. And one of the first questions she asked me was, what is your self-care like? And I laughed my butt off on the phone to her. And uh, she's like, well, no, I mean it. I'm like, girlfriend, I just got engaged. I'm planning a wedding. I'm not getting any help with that, really. Um, My dad was just diagnosed with cancer, the only man in the world that ever listened to me and would not shush me. Um, I work full time and I drive an hour to and from work a day. And I have a time uh, that time, I think he was seven. I have a seven year old stepson that I help take care of every other weekend and every Tuesday night. I said, so how in the world do you expect me to find time for myself? you know, and she is like, well, if you don't find time, then you're going to end up like your dad. And I was just like, wow. Okay. So just by sharing with her, some of the things that I had been going through and, you know, I shared right from birth on with her, um, some of the things, some of the struggles that I had gone through. And I didn't realize the chaos that I had lived in pretty much my entire life, you know, because when you're in it, you don't realize that it's chaos. You just realize that that's life and that's normal. Right. And so she had given me some tools uh, to use and some different literature and things like that. And I met with her once a week uh, until unfortunately she had to go to a different hospital. So I lost her. I could have got somebody else, but I was just like, no, you know, my life story. I don't feel like sharing that with us, somebody else. Right. So some of the things that she had said was definitely, you know, take time for you. Um, whatever that looks like, start doing things that you love to do. And I forgotten what, what I even like to do because I was so busy taking care of everybody else. I had no idea what Dorothy Graham knows or liked. And, um, and I say Graham because I wasn't married at the time. Uh, so I, she says, you know, start putting, start writing a list of some things that you like to do. So I did that. And she says, you know, take some morning, take some time to yourself. And that's really when I started implementing my morning routine. Mm-hmm. And then I had gotten a coach and that's the first, she said, you got to do that. Like you have to put that in your day. And so I started doing things like that. And then I started, I love 
love my husband, but I still felt that there was something missing. And back when I was not married and I was finding myself through the healing process of leaving the abusive relationship to find my husband, I had done a lot of soul searching and a lot of healing. And I had done a lot of volunteering and soup kitchens and, and in my church and, and things like that. And when I met my husband, all that ended, um, you know, and he, I lived in Chatham, Ontario at the time. He lived in Windsor, which was kind of like an hour away. And when, when I decided to move to Windsor to make that move to be with him, I left all my family behind. I left all my friends behind and everything that I was doing. So yes, even though I love, love Joe, there was just part, something about me that's like something's missing. Mm. So I, I started volunteering again. Um, basically for the homelessness here in, in my, in my city that I live in and just really, um, start doing the things that I, I love to do, which was reading and, you know, taking, taking that time back. And so it was, it was just starting to make a map of really things that I like to do. And I love to dance and I completely forgot all about that. My husband doesn't like going anywhere, (laughs) like doesn't going, doesn't like dancing, doesn't like things like that. So even just dancing around the house, you know, was, was fun. And, um, so I started prioritizing. Yes. No, I'm, I just, I love that you've said all this because it's almost like you became aware of what you had lost, but, and you reignited the fire to, to bring your passions into life again. I mean, that's what happens to a lot of us women sometimes. And I'm only speaking for women because I'm a woman and I can't speak for men, but I think a lot of times we do get married and sometimes the marriage takes over or he takes over and you start doing what he likes to do or the babies come. And it's so important to go back to what lights you up. And I'm Mm -hmm. speaking to myself right now because I am starting to do that again as well. But it's so important, Dorothy, like becoming aware that you're missing something and not just living monotonous day by day is light it up again. And self-care is not selfish. If it's something you like to do that lights you up, it's okay to be away from your children or to take a night overnight and go to the spa. Or, you know, I, I, I find because I work with women only so many moms and wives and they just say, you know, oh, I don't have time for that yet. They're miserable and Mm -hmm. they don't do it for themselves. So I think it's so important as well to find something. It doesn't have to be every day, which Mm -hmm. it can be. Why not? It can be every day. You can go do something by yourself every day. If it's going to fill your cup because you can't pour from an empty cup right? Exactly. Absolutely. So true. So I want to, I want to talk about your shows before we end. Tell us about your shows and what they're all about. Yes. So uh, Monday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we have a show that's called Unstoppable Overcomers, which is showcasing those people that like you and I have overcome great things, but have gone on to help other people Mm -hmm. in, in those learning from those, uh, things that we obstacles that we've overcome and it's an hour show and on Wednesdays we have what's called the unstoppable or power half hour unstoppable business owner and that's at 5 30 uh eastern standard time 
And I, you know, through this pandemic, a lot of businesses had to uh, foreclose or, or go under. And I just really, in that time, I've really um, gotten to know some amazing people through networking because now with the World Wide Web, we can basically, I do, I meet people all over the world, Dublin, Ireland, you know, and all across the United States. And I'm here in Canada. So it's opened the doors up for a lot of things. And so I really wanted to showcase that business owner that is out there that not a lot of people know about, but hey, you know, here they are. And so that's what I do. I help promote people. I'm out here because everybody has a story and I want everybody's story to be heard. Um, so that's what I do. And that's why I decided to do the shows because, you know, giving back, but also making people be aware that, hey, if they can do it, you can do it. And to not to feel alone, because when you're in the middle of those things, you know, you do feel alone. I love it. That's so. coming from such a beautiful place in your heart. It's, it, you know, it's, it's so beautiful to help others in, in, you know, again, it goes back to, I'm so grateful for what I have, but if I can help someone else, it's, it's just a ripple effect. Right. Exactly. So I love what you're doing. I'm, I, it's such a blessing to help other people in their career paths or share their story. So more people can feel the empowered, you know, empowerment. And mm -hmm. that's what it all comes down to. We're here to be lights in this dark world and yeah. help people overcome. So I appreciate it. And I always end with what are you climbing towards next, either in your personal life or your business? Oh, girlfriend, hang on. Okay, so you ready for this? Yes. So not is I love the fact that we have these shows, but I want the world to see it. So I'm in the process of getting the show syndicated. So I meaning that I'm I'm looking for networks to pick us up so that we could be on TV. So not only is is your story going to be heard like on, on our, my, our YouTube channel and, and LinkedIn and things like that. But I want the world to hear our stories and how powerful, powerful they are. So I am, we're, I am networking with different people to help us get there. Uh, so the show will be syndicated. I always say that I will be the next Oprah because I believe that this is, that's what I'm headed towards. So uh, if you know of anybody that help can help us get there quicker, let us know. Um, because, you know, we're taking this little production company to a big production company and we want to help bring a light and awareness to everybody through, um, through different channels. So that is, that is what is on the business side. So I'm super excited about that. And, you know, I just keep putting one foot in front of the other and, and, and it's going to happen. And, uh, per, and, and with doing that, with finding with going through that, that plan, it's actually making me more, um, more aware and being a better person with that, because, you know, I'm not just staying in the small, small, I'm like dreaming big. Right. Yes. And that's what's, I just feel more joy that way. And, and knowing the fact that more people can be heard. Oh my gosh. Oh, I will be praying for you girl. That if somebody picks this up, that's amazing. We just got to stay in faith, right? That's yes. it. Stay oh, it's done. It's oh, it's done. done. God has a plan. <laughs> And you're, and it's a beautiful plan because again, just shining a light on people's stories. I mean, in real people, you know, I mean, yes. it's all about that. So we can connect to each other. I love exactly. it. Yes. 
So where can, speaking about connect, if somebody does want to connect with you, where do you want them to go? Uh, definitely. I'm on LinkedIn a lot more than I am on Facebook. So uh, on LinkedIn, it's Dorothy Ann Graham Odell. Okay. Uh, um, or you can definitely go to my website, which is www.unstoppableovercomers.com. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Well, I just want to thank you so much for being here today. You're such a blessing. All the amazing things that you're doing in the world. God bless you. I'm so happy we met and I am excited. If you guys love the show, if something resonated with you, please share it. It means the world to us. You can tag us on social and it just can encourage someone else to just keep on climbing in their own walk and journey in life. So thanks again, Dorothy. I appreciate you. you so much. And until next week, guys, keep on climbing. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for being here every week because my goal is to always empower and inspire you so you can keep on climbing even when life gets tough. If you felt blessed today, it would mean the world to me if you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And one of the ways you can help me is if you would leave me a five-star rating and a review. This is really how I can help more people just like you. You can do this right on your podcast app on your phone. It's super easy. It will only take one minute. Also, if you want to be part of my private community on Facebook, head over there to Faith, Fuel, and Fitness, and I'll meet you inside. Or you can even head over to my website, kellytian.com, to get more inspiration and resources to keep you on your own climb. Thank you again and have a healthy and happy week.